probably one of the, the most common questions that I've been asked this summer uh, is what kind of church is Trinity? So as I've met with old friends and been at conferences and, and meeting people, and I say, look, I go, I go to a church called Trinity that's in Chippenham, and they just ask, well, what's, what's Trinity like? What's Trinity Chippenham like? And I've answered that question in lots of different ways. I wonder how you have answered or how you would answer that, that question. You can, you can answer that structurally. So you can say, well, Trinity is, is a church. We've got three uh, elders, three pastors, three, three church leaders. We have a vision statement, uh, which is on the, that little pull-up thing, for all to be transformed by the glorious love of the Trinity. We meet on Sunday afternoons in the Olympiad in the centre of town. That, that's one way that you can answer the, kind of, uh, the question about what church Trinity is. Uh, but you can answer it in terms of style. Um, so you can talk about the church being relaxed, just like this. Oh, no, I thought you can give me that mic. Okay. Um, you can talk about, we, we are quite relaxed. You can, you can tell that, I think. Um, we are uh, a church that have refreshments before and after. Um, excellent reference. Thanks, Trevor, uh, with those amazing little pink things and, and the Jaffa cakes. Absolute classic. Um, we have a mix of music, you know, old songs, new songs. We, we have a band typically playing. We, ha- we have communion every week. That, that all tells you something about the style of Trinity Chippenham. Uh, you can answer that question in terms of, I guess, a bit more socially. So, so we're a young church, both in terms of just being new, so just two and a half years old as a church, but looking around, um, you're young. Isn't that good? You're welcome. Uh, you're young. We have lots of kids, lots of families, and that tells a lot about the kind of church that we are as well. But, but isn't there more to us than that? You think the, the who, the what, the where, and the when are important, but that's all just website stuff, isn't it, really? You can find that out just by looking on the website. But what kind of church is Trinity really? What are we really, really like? What if the answer is more about the effect that we have on people? Because being with God's people in Trinity will have an effect on, on whoever it is. Not just on a Sunday, but in, but in life groups during the week, throughout the year. Um, even with free-to-connect opportunities. So opportunities um, just to be completely free of church program and schedule in the week to, to spend time with, with friends or to spend time with family, uh, to invite your neighbours, to invite friends over for dinner. Uh, if, if you're not sure who you can invite for dinner, I can give you my number afterwards and um, I can think of at least one person, me, that you can invite. But that's essentially free to connect. But just thinking that will affect people. The, 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 the people that we come into contact with will be affected by, by us. So what kind of effect can we have on people? What, what kind of church are we as Trinity Chippenham? As Ben said, we're going to look at Psalm 133. And in that psalm, King David shows us the kind of church family that God likes, uh, that God is pleased with. So if you want Trinity to be healthy, then you need to listen up. Because this psalm is all about unity. Um, unity is a blessing on us from above that blesses others. That's Psalm 133. If you've got a Bible or a church Bible, it's on page 519, 519, Psalm 133. And it tells us that unity is a blessing on us from above that blesses others. So today's the last Psalm in our summer series. We've been, over these weeks of, of the summer, we've been traveling together with God's people Israel as they sing their songs of ascent. 
So it's really just their, their hymn book that they've been using, that they've been singing as they travel on the way up to Jerusalem to celebrate who God is and what he has done. And we come to Psalm 133, and, and really in this journey up, in this ascent journey, the, the Jews are at the end of it. And they're just really beginning to arrive in God's city. And, and you can, maybe you can imagine the scene. Um, I was at a, a, a Coldplay concert back in June, and if you've ever been to a, a big stadium concert, you'll know the feeling, you're, you know, you're walking uh, the street up to the big stadium, and, and it feels like it's just you and your mates walking, but then every few steps, there's people coming in from, from, from side roads and, um, and from car parks, official car parks and just people's driveways. And, and, and the group suddenly becomes really, really big. And there's just that buzz of we go into this concert and maybe people start singing you know, the Coldplay songs. And, and there's more and more people coming in. And eventually, there's just a huge group of people walking in to the stadium for the concert. And I imagine it would be a lot like that. You have all these families come from all over Israel coming and they're coming on the same street. The side streets are coming um, people coming kind of from, from the car parks and joining the group, and there's just a buzz. And they're singing these songs, these songs of ascent. And they're singing Psalm 133, a song about unity. Have a look at the first sentence in Psalm 133. It says, A song of ascent of David, that's who wrote it. And it says, Behold, which just means listen up, it just means look, look around. Behold, how good and pleasant it is. When brothers dwell in unity. The unity isn't just about being in the same place at the same time. And it's not even really about kind of people singing the same song. Unity is, is about a harmony of, of, of heart and of identity. And David says it is a good thing when Christian brothers and sisters are together in harmony, in unity. Why is it a good thing? Well, the last bit of the last sentence, because of the Lord's blessing, for there, where brothers and sisters dwell in unity, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Living in unity with other believers is a blessing because it echoes something about the Lord, but it's also something that God himself blesses. I just want to pause there for a few seconds because for some of you, maybe for quite a lot of you, this whole issue of, of unity in church unity is hard. Uh, maybe you've, you've had just very negative, bad experiences of, well, not of unity, but of, but of disunity. And, you know, David says here, unity is good and pleasant. But in your experience, unity is bad and nasty. I guess that's the opposite, isn't it? And, and I want to spend just a, a minute just to, just to talk to you. If, if that's your experience, perhaps... Perhaps you've been in a church or you've grown up in a church and that talks about other churches like they're scum. Maybe the church that you've been in sometime in your, in your past as you've grown up, just the way they talk about other churches just grieves you because it's as if they're not really Christians at all and that hurts. Maybe you've been in a church where not so much you know, the, the church-to-church issues, but maybe you were in a church where internally it was painful. Maybe you grew up or you've been to a church where there were factions, uh, where there was maybe even hatred, you know, just cliques and, and, and kind of different families warring and hating each other. And you had to pick a side, you know, were you on the pastor's side or were you on the elder's side? Were you on this family side? or this? Like, you had to pick a side, otherwise you couldn't really do anything. 
in the church. And if that's your experience, then that's painful. And I want to say that it's right that that's painful. And, and I don't want to gloss over your, your negative experiences of church unity because you can hear this stuff about unity and you know, David says, oh, it's good and pleasant. And you're like, yeah, well, I've never seen it. Actually, my only experience of, of unity just hurts and I'm still carrying that, that hurt and that baggage. What I want to say, again, just firstly, that that's the right response to disunity, to, to, to things like that that I've described. That, that grieving and that pain, doesn't that just show how important real unity actually is, doesn't it? You know, we, unity is the kind of thing, if you don't have it, or if, you, if there's hatred, you just know it, and you know what you're missing, and it hurts. So I just want to acknowledge that pain, but also to encourage you that if that is your experience, and probably for most of us, that, that is our experience, because typically, you know, Christians are not great at this kind of thing, but even if that is, has been your experience, you're in a great place. I mean, kind of us as in Trinity, you're in a great place, a great place to see a church that, that is healthy. In, in all the churches that I've been part of and involved in, um, whether kind of going to a church or, or just seeing uh, students um, in university Christian unions and the different kind of churches and, and, and helping them uh, kind of see what church is for. And all of, really, in all of my experience, um, there's not many churches that, that I see that are as healthy as us. And I think that's right to say, before we go on kind of to some more about Psalm 133 and think about unity, just to say that you guys <clears throat> are brilliant. Uh, I think people can come into this church and they can feel a warmth. Um, whether they'll use the word unity or not, I don't know, but they'll feel a warmth, they'll feel a care for each other. And I just want to affirm that. So whatever your experience of, of church disunity is, you're in a great place in Trinity Chippenham. It's not just going to happen, and, and, and we'll talk more this afternoon about like, what it looks like and, and what unity feels like. But just to say, before we say anything else, okay, we are a good, healthy church. We're not perfect. Um, we probably never will be. But just to say, you're in a great place. Whatever your experience, whatever your baggage, whatever, whatever church pain you have, Trinity is a great place to, 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 share, to share that pain, to, to share that hurt with each other. I think there's people here that, that care for each other. And that's really important to say. But unity, David says in Psalm 133, unity is a good and pleasant blessing from God. And it's something that God blesses. How much of a blessing is it? Well, have a look at verse 2. Unity is a blessing. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his, of his robes. Now, if you're anything like me and you read that sentence, uh, verse 2, your response is probably like, what? Unity is good. Okay, how good? It's like oil that runs over your head and onto your face and down the back of your neck. See, to me, that's icky. And that's just kind of weird. Um, but for King David, it's not weird and it's not icky. Actually, for him, it's, it's amazing because so he's describing the blessing of, of family unity, of, of godly unity, 
as like oil being poured on their heads. And you would do that to maybe, wel- like maybe you'd be welcoming an important guest to your party and, and they would come in and you would welcome them and, and you know, hey, I don't know, you'd offer them a cup of tea or the Wi-Fi code, but, but back then you'd, you'd, for the people you'd really want to honour, you would pour some sweet-smelling oil on them uh, and, it, and it would honour them. And it's not stingy at all because imagine, imagine how long you'd have to stand there um, pouring oil on someone's head for it to come all the way down their face and down the back of their neck and down their collar onto their clothes. How much oil would that need? How, how, uh, how long would you have to stand sort of pouring? I mean, that would take a while. It's, it's not a stingy thing at all. And it wouldn't feel icky because, again, imagine if you were at a party and, and someone did that to you. The smell would go wherever you would go. This sweet-smelling smell would, whatever room you went to, whoever you were talking to, that smell would follow you and, and you would know and people would know, oh, this is an honoured guest. It, it would feel good. It would feel good. It would feel just really joyful, I think, to have that oil poured over your head. But actually, David, more importantly, turns our eyes to an even more significant oil pouring party. He talks about the anointing of Aaron, who was the high priest. So back in Exodus, Aaron was set apart by the Lord to be the high priest. So his job was to represent God to the people and the people to God. So when Aaron got dressed up in his kind of priestly clothes, on each shoulder there was a precious stone uh, with the names of the tribes of Israel written on them. So six on his left, six on his right, uh, just the names of the tribes of, of the people of God, the people of Israel. But he also wore 12 12 stones uh, on his chest and each of them were engraved again with the names of the 12 tribes so the, the, the God's people's names were written on his shoulders and on his heart so that whenever Aaron went into the temple or into the tabernacle that, into the holy of holies before God in his presence whenever Aaron did that there's a very, very real sense that he took the Lord's people with him in what he was wearing and what he was doing, he was taking God's people into God's presence. And he was anointed with precious scented oil. And that was to set him apart and his priestly descendants for their role in representing God to the people and the people to God. So no wonder King David had this picture in mind. He thinks about unity. He thinks about God's people, God's family together. And he thinks, yeah, that's, that's like what Aaron did. And you knew that it was happening, the oil would be there, the, the, the smell of the oil, the amount of the oil. See, David says, look, the unity of God's people is a good thing. The unity of God's people in God's presence is a good thing. This overflowing oil, the overflowing joy that comes from above. Notice in the psalm, uh, two times, just in that one sentence, two times that word or, or the words running down, running down. See, godly unity is a blessing, but it's from above. Just like that, that holy, precious oil was poured on Aaron from above, down, lavishly, generously, not stingy, smothering his head and his body. And that's like unity. It's good and pleasant. 
There's one more verse, verse 3. One more kind of down uh, picture of the blessing of godly unity. Have a look at verse 3. So this unity that's good and pleasant, it's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Now, whether you know uh, about Hermon or the mountains of Zion or not, I think this picture is probably even a bit more understandable for us. You know, that oil on the beard is kind of weird, but hopefully that explains it. But, but even without the geography, I think we can imagine what it's like when fresh dew falls on a desert land. But what David's doing here is, is really interesting. See, Hermon, Mount Hermon is a mountain in the north. So the north of Old Testament Israel is this mountain called Mount Hermon. Now, these days, it's a ski resort, um, just on the border of Syria and Lebanon. But it's up in the north. And then in the south, you have God's city, Mount Zion. So you have Hermon in the north, Zion in the south. But David links the two. Again, isn't that another picture of, of God's people, north and south, but together in unity? And David is also saying, look, just imagine, imagine the freshness of Hermon's dew on dusty Zion. Again, geographically, that doesn't really make sense because they couldn't, almost they couldn't be much further away. Humanly speaking, that doesn't really make any sense, but, but it would be such a blessing. It would be God's blessing to wake up on a scorching day in, on or near Mount Zion and to be able to walk through fresh dew, to feel the moisture between your toes, to, to see the plants green and growing. All King David is saying is godly unity is just like that. It's a blessing from God that blesses us because it's refreshing, just like the dew. It's life-giving, just like the the dew. It's, it's joyful and exciting, just like the oil. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. The unity is a good thing. It is a blessing on us from above that blesses others. So, well, say so what, really? That's all fine, isn't it? Unity is a good thing. Thanks. But if unity is a blessing, why is it so hard? Like, why are so many of us had hard times with this in churches maybe that we've grown up in? What does godly unity look like for us here in, in, in Trinity? If, if unity like this is this overflowing, sweet-smelling, precious oil, then does Trinity smell like that? to people now unity is a good thing okay but so what but unity is a blessing on us from above that blesses others and and you know this and we've heard this uh, from those guys but godly unity unity is hard especially within the christian family but it's good and pleasant to use david's phrase it's good and pleasant it's True unity, real unity is, is refreshing and, and it's life-giving and it's joyful and it's special. And it, like we said earlier, if you haven't experienced unity, godly unity, you, you know that, that it's a good thing because you've experienced the negatives of it. But unity is a good thing. It's, 
It's a blessing, but the only source of true unity, of, of this godly family unity, the only source of that is from above. Unity isn't a fake agreement to be nice with each other. As if we come through those doors uh, on a Sunday afternoon, I mean, whether it's spoken or whether it's subconscious, we just think, okay, we'd, I'll just fake being nice to you. Um, I'll just pretend. I'll, 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 I'll tolerate, you know, I, I like these people, but I'll, I'll tolerate those people. That's not unity. Uh, unity isn't, isn't running away from problems. You know, if, if there's problems with people, don't just run away. Don't just run away from issues. That isn't unity either. Imagine, imagine if a marriage was like that. You imagine if uh, a marriage was just kind of faking being nice to each other. Like on the surface, maybe it looks okay, looks united, but that's just death, isn't it? Imagine if a marriage was just tolerating each other. You know, if there's a problem, okay, we'll just run away from it and leave it because we have to be kind of fake, nice, united. That's not marriage. That's not unity. The unity is, it's loving each other. And that's hard. Unity is looking around at each other, the people that you like and the people that maybe you like but a little bit less. It's looking around and saying, no, look, we're, we're in the family. We're in God's family. We are God's and God is ours. And together we can go to God, who's our father, and ask him for help, ask him for his love, ask him for his perspective on these people or on this person. You know, help me... Help me to see this person with, with their kids. Help me to see this person with their neighbours or with the people that are in need. Just, it's not just a, you know, close your eyes and we'll be nice and that's unity. It's, it's so much more than that, isn't it? It's, it's, it's together helping each other. Together going to God and saying, Lord, just give me your eyes to see. Give me your love that will pour out. And it's that unity that's going to affect others. Because if the unity is that sweet smelling oil, then that unity is going to smell sweet as well. So unity is going to attract, our unity is going to attract lots of people to investigate God. So the unity of Trinity Chippenham will attract many people to investigate what God is really like. And some are going to be put off by it. Um, Loving people is, is hard. Because it's not faking being nice. It's not pretending everything's fine. Loving people means that you're going to be vulnerable. Loving people is just a risk of being hurt because you're, you're opening yourself to this person and they might spit in your face, literally or metaphorically. Loving someone is, is hard and that's going to put people off. So some people will come to Trinity and they'll see the love that we have for each other and, and they'll kind of work out the implications of, of loving each other and they'll think, uh, no, that's not for me. I don't want to have to be, I don't want to be honest with you. I don't want you to be honest with me. That's too much. So some people will be put off by that smell of unity. But other people are going to follow their nose. They're going to follow that unity and through people who love each other, they will find a God who loves them. And that's what we want at Trinity, isn't it? for all to be transformed by the glorious love of the Trinity. That's what it looks like, is that people will come in on a Sunday, a life group in Free to Connect, when we're with colleagues at work, neighbours at home, family members, just whoever we meet in the shops. It's, it's that smell of unity, of real loving care 
for each other. So what kind of church are we? What kind of church is Trinity Chippenham? You can go to the website and find out lots about us. But what if Trinity is about how we affect other people and how we love each other? What if Trinity is about coming together, loving each other, forgiving each other often, not being stingy, not being grumpy, but being like God? Father, Son and Spirit in one, unity, Trinity. God is generous and life-giving. And what if we're a church that's like that as well? What if we're a church that is generous and life-giving? God will bless that because God blesses unity, life forevermore. One way that we show our unity as a church is communion. Uh, The reason that we're blessed together as one body, the reason we're blessed is Jesus. And the place where you can see most clearly what God is really like, the clearest kind of demonstration of what God is really like is Jesus dying on the cross. That's the best place, with his arms open, giving his life and his love for you. Remember that picture of the oil running down Aaron's head and beard onto his priestly robe? Well, that's, for us, that's a picture of Jesus, because Jesus is, is our great high priest. Jesus is the God-man, representing not just the tribes of Israel, but he's representing humans from all over the world, including us, their names written on his heart, written in his hands, as he invites us to know his Father, which is really the greatest blessing of all. So we're going to take communion now. There's some bits of bread and and, and juice on the tables around you. And as we take communion, as we celebrate um, this this Lord's Supper, this communion together, it preaches to us what God is really like. It's not just, it is a weird thing we do, but it's not just a weird thing that Christians and churches do and that we do every week. It is is a, a, a sermon, a message to us about who God really is. This communion reminds us what kind of church we really are. Because we are we are in the family of God. We, we are the family of God and we're together because of Jesus. And unity is a blessing on us from above that blesses others. And so if you're a Christian, we'll eat some bread and we'll drink uh, this little bit of juice and that preaches to us and to the person next to you. It preaches, well, this is what God is really like. This is how we know the Father. We are in the same family because of what this meal represents, because of Jesus dying and giving his life and love for us. But maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. Um, I'd want to encourage you, if you're not a Christian, just to keep your eyes open kind of on what happens, keep paying attention to what happens. It's, it's not a hugely kind of special thing. I mean, you can see it's just a half a roll and like a little kind of plastic shot glass of Robina. Um, nothing very special about that, really. Um, but the whole point is that Jesus is inviting you, whoever you are, he's inviting you to be with him. You don't get to be with him by eating this bread and drinking this juice, but you be with him, you get to be with him by saying yes to him, 
So in your heart, you say, actually, Jesus, you really are the king who died for me. You really did give everything, your life and your love, so I could know your, you and your father. That, that's the whole point of this church. That's the whole point of Christianity. So whoever you are, as we take this communion, Jesus offers himself to you. He offers to you the best thing that he has which is his father's love. And that's where godly unity is found. It's not in singing the same songs. It's not even in being in the same place at the same time. But godly unity, the unity that we are beginning to have in Trinity, the unity that we want more and more of, unity is in the father's love. And that's the unity, that's the blessing that blesses others. So we'll take a minute or two now before we sing. And as I said, you will see the bits of bread and the juice on tables uh, around you. So if you are a Christian, if, if you are in the family, and if you love Jesus because he loves you, uh, take some time now to take some of the bread, just rip a piece off, uh, take one of the bits of juice and eat it and drink it with joy. Uh, whatever kind of week you've had, whatever kind of summer you've had, Eat and drink it with joy because Jesus, again, is offering himself to you. Uh, you can know him. You can know his love. And as you do that, um, feel free to look at each other and smile at each other. Again, it's a message. It's a sermon preaching, reminding us, actually, look, we're in the family. God is amazing. God is good. And Jesus is brilliant. I love him. You love him. Isn't this brilliant? So just take a minute or two if you're a Christian, just to take some of the bread, take some of the juice. Uh, We'll sing again in a little bit. But why don't I pray? I haven't prayed yet. Why don't I pray um, just as we do that and then we'll enjoy this time together. Our Father in heaven, we know that unity is hard. Um, We know that getting on with each other uh, is hard. Um, But I thank you that unity is a real thing. It is possible not because we're really nice to each other or because we're cool or anything, but it is possible because you love us. Uh, I, I pray, Father, that, that each of us would, would lean in to you, would, would want to know you more and more because that is the place where, where you bless. Uh, and that's where unity is found because you are our Father. Jesus is our, our brother, our husband, and we are united together in him. And I pray that as we have this bread and juice, that again you would excite our hearts about who you really are. It's not that this, <clears throat> this thing kind of tops us up for the week and gives us energy to keep going for the week, but it is a reminder about what you're really like and, and, and it will remind us throughout this week that you are a God who is good. You are a God who, who loves us and, uh, and who blesses unity, not because it's just a good thing but because you bless it um, and, and we love you for that and we pray that we would love you more. Amen.